potential government shutdown. Government shutdown. Block is ticking on efforts to avoid a government shutdown this week. My question is, why is this happening every few months? Why does the world's largest economic power and the symbol of democracy go through this seemingly humiliating shutdown process? And of course, what are the implications for people, our economy, and stock market investors like you and me? Let's talk about that. I am Huda Mer, founder and CEO of StockArt, a fintech startup from California that helps you do your fundamental stock market research better and faster. On this show, I share detailed fundamental analysis and fascinating money-related stories like today's episode. If you are new here, join us by subscribing. First thing first, let's set the stage for today's discussion by clarifying what a government shutdown means. Every year, federal agencies and federal programs receive an annual budget that Congress approves. Basically, the House of Representatives and Senate have a committee that reviews and approves the government's budget each year in 12 different categories. The bill this committee passes regulates the government's expenditure each year. But those 12 bills we just talked about do not cover all of the government's spending. The government has two types of spending, mandatory and discretionary. Mandatory spending represents two-thirds of the government spending and does not require annual voting. For example, military operations or social security payments, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, and the Federal Reserve are deemed essential operations and won't be subject to the government shutdown and voting. Even if we talk about a full shutdown, it has nothing to do with two-thirds of government spending. The remaining one-third of the spending requires annual voting, the topic of those 12 legislative bills we discussed before. For example, why the military would continue protecting the nation and the country as an essential activity that is differently funded than annual voting, it may not be able to conduct its recruitment events as planned because recruiting events may be non-essential activities during a government shutdown. If Congress cannot agree on the discretionary bills by a specific deadline, the government shuts down its discretionary spending each year. The shutdown means no federal agency or federal program deemed non-essential can spend the discretionary budget until the bill is passed. But why is this happening to the U.S. quite frequently? And why can't we get it together as a nation and avoid the seemingly humiliating shutdowns? On the surface and optically, it appears that the United States is the only country that cannot govern itself and the leaders aren't capable of achieving alignment. We've had 10 full or partial shutdowns of the discretionary spending in the last four decades. And this is only a U.S. phenomenon. Other governments in the world 
may only experience a shutdown when there is a revolution, a natural disaster, or an invasion. That's why when the world hears about a government shutdown in the United States, naturally everyone reacts with horror. We've even seen credit rating agencies such as Moody's and the Fitch ratings referencing government shutdowns as a reason to reduce the country's rating. But hang on, as a fundamental investor, we don't take everything we hear at its face value. We tend to dig a little bit. If you dig into this matter, you'll realize the reason this is happening in the United States only is structural and the direct results of the U.S. government's design. The reality is that the government continues to operate in the rest of the world even if their legislative body can't agree on the budget matters. Moreover, according to BBC, in most European democracies, the parliamentary system ensures that same party and coalition controls the executive and legislative bodies. This structure ensures there is no political misalignment that leads to a potential shutdown. In the rest of the world, if the parliament does not approve the head of the government's budget, it triggers a new election, not a government shutdown, and that's a big deal. The government continues to run even in that scenario. For example, in Belgium, the country had no elected government for 589 days between 2010 and 2011 and kept running as usual. Only in the U.S. and after 1980 have government shutdowns become a recurring event and are used by political parties as a bargaining chip. That's because in 1980, the Attorney General of President Carter's administration made it much stricter to continue spending without a budget. Before 1980, if there was a budget gap, the U.S. government continued to operate as normal like most other governments worldwide. Therefore, the shutdowns result from the difference between government structure and design in the U.S. and the rest of the world. Like many things in financial media, the shutdown isn't a wild, horrific situation as the headlines make them seem. But we can't ignore the effect the shutdown has on the nation. There are still undesirable and in some cases damaging consequences to government shutdowns. The obvious and immediate impact is on people employed by the government and non-essential program employees that get out of job. They won't get paid on time for the time period of the shutdown even though they will be paid once the government gets out of the shutdown. Beyond people's salaries, the impact is not a clear-cut black and white list of what gets shut down or delayed, because as the government goes through a shutdown, each affected agency has to work with the Office of Management and Budget, OMB, to set guidelines around what's deemed essential or non-essential. In the past, quite a few social programs have been impacted by the shutdowns. For example, during the 1995-1996 shutdown, more than 10,000 Medicare applicants were temporarily turned away every day of the shutdown. 
Many parks operated by national parks remained open during the 2018-2019 shutdown, though no visitor services were provided and damage and trash buildup were reported at many park sites. In 2013, a backlog of 1.2 million income and social security number verification requests delayed mortgage and other loan approvals, and billions of dollars of tax refunds were also delayed. However, the agencies have gotten a better sense of what is deemed non-essential and essential over the years during the last 10 government shutdowns in the past four decades. Therefore, mortgage and loan approval processes getting delayed again is very unlikely. Those services have funds appropriated through the Inflation Reduction Act now. Let's move closer to the business of investing and how shutdowns can impact the companies we all like and want to invest in. Immediate implications and macro factors can trickle down to the businesses as a result of the shutdowns. The immediate impact can be on the company's revenue, any sort of governmental registrations, fundraising, and important policy developments. So let's talk about each. On the revenue side, if a company is a contractor to any government agency and projects that they're working on gets shut down, during a shutdown as a non-essential activity, they won't get paid. This happens a lot in defense and consulting services to the government. It's important to note that in a shutdown, the full-time employees will most likely get payback once the shutdown is over, but contractors won't. According to the White House website, a shutdown would also make it harder for small businesses to access federal contracting opportunities by halting the processing of applications for nearly all government contracting programs. The next possible impact is on a smaller company's ability to get loans. A government shutdown will halt Small Business Administration SBA loan programs and application reviews will be delayed. As public market investors, we may not invest in small companies that qualify for SBA loan, but many of them are customers of the companies we invest in. For example, Yelp or Meta Facebook work with many small businesses that run ads on their platforms and their inability to access funding may create short-term delays in payments to Yelp or Meta. It's possible that the SEC delays processing registration statements for companies planning to issue new shares or go public. This is not limited to IPOs either. It can also impact those who want to issue crowdfunding through Regulation A+, if you invest in crowdfunding companies. On that line of thought, any alternative assets that require registration by SEC will be on hold too. While researching this episode, I came across an interesting company named Rally Road that takes luxury cars and luxury assets public as an investment opportunity for individual people. The offering for each car or luxury asset has to be registered individually by the SEC and will be delayed during a shutdown. 
registration requirement in general, it's a non-essential activity. If you are in the business of securitizing loans, for example, a company like SoFi, the packages loans it issues and sells them to other financial institutions will be impacted by the shutdown. They may not be able to get permission from the SEC to securitize and package their loans and are stuck with those loans on their balance sheet for the period of shutdown. If the IRS can't verify mortgage applications, financial technology companies working on mortgage or even loan initiations can be impacted or their work can be delayed. The SEC also processes registration on a new broker dealer or other trading systems. A government shutdown will delay that registration process. And if it takes too long, some platforms may end up with the risk of running their operations illegally and without registration. The shutdown may impact some segments of the market more than others. For example, the food and site inspections may be delayed in the healthcare or food industries for those waiting for approval from the FDA. The other, maybe the last short-term implication is in policy development. Several committees review the policy requirements and collaborate with businesses in new and innovative market segments, such as cybersecurity, anti-money laundering, or cryptocurrency segments. Those reviews and preparation for new policies can be delayed due to a government shutdown. These are consequential impact of a possible government shutdown. However, for the most part, the government shutdown has been inconsequential for the stock market as a whole with a history of both positive and negative market direction during the last 10 shutdowns. These kinds of delays and impacts are quite short-term by nature. The longest government shutdown lasted 35 days in 2018-2019, which impacted tax refund delays and even air travel traffic controls were impacted. But it is very rare to say 35 days will make or break the future of any company and the stock market. Hey, there is one more important long-term impact of the government shutdowns that we must discuss today. But before that, because this episode is all about cutting through the media noise and focusing on the fundamentals behind each story we hear on the media, I want to do a fundamental analysis on a small cap company that has been a great investment opportunity so far and has still a lot of room to grow. And I came across this company this week. It's called Telesat Corporation, sticker T-S-A-T. If you are not into investing in individual stocks, use the timestamp below to skip to the last part of the discussion today. Those who stayed to learn about Telesat know that this is not an investment advice and of course you have to do your own investment research before buying. Let me pull up the company's stock card and we can dig into this company. It looks like a Canadian company that has overperformed the market with bullish sentiment on their value of the stock and some concerns about its financial strength. 
this visualization immediately tells me that I have to pay attention to the company's financial information that seems to be in trouble and I need to figure out whether there is a reason that the company's stock is undervalued. But before that, let's see who this company is. Going to the introduction section of the company's stock card, it's a global satellite operator with $160 million in market cap. Interesting to see that cash on the balance sheet is higher than the company's market cap. So there must have been something about this company that has spooked investors in the recent quarters. Going to the financial strength section of the company's stock card, I see that Telesat is struggling with profitability. All its profit figures are declining. We need to understand why that's happening. Let's go to the news section of the company's stock card, even though there is no new news. The news section would tell us some of the recent news surrounding the company in the last few days, even if there's no new news today. The company has had an earnings report call on November 6. Going to the introduction section again, I can get the link to the investor relations website and read the latest earnings report to investigate the reasons behind the company's profitability issues. The company's earnings report shows that most losses are due to the cost of repurchasing its own debt. So Telsat has repurchased its debt at a lower cost during the year, resulting in short-term losses, but a better long-term balance sheet. It's also interesting to see that on top of its 700 million revenue, it already has a backlog of more than a billion dollars in revenue potential. Based on this quick but very quality detailed research, you can see how you can use the stock art to research a totally new company in a matter of minutes. Like we did today, you can immediately pinpoint where you need to pay attention to and where you must dig further before investing. This is likely a kind of company that is worth researching more that I plan to add to my own watch list. I leave a link to this company's stock card in the show notes so you can continue your research. Remember that these kind of free and high quality YouTube videos like today's episode are only possible thanks to stock cards VIP users who use the stock card to do their own detailed fundamental research easily and quickly. If you want to join them, start for free by going to stockcard.io and try it for yourself. Now let's return to the last long-term impact of the government shutdown the broader impact of the government shutdown, and perhaps with a more damning impact on the U.S. economy and brand is how the world sees us. Before researching this episode, I had no idea the shutdown resulted from the structural government design in the U.S. The chances are most people in the world aren't aware of that either. It looks bad that the government shutdown happens in the U.S. The overall U.S. economy and the perception of the stability and functioning of the country's government is an important brand image and brand value for the U.S. that the country has cultivated for decades. It doesn't help that rating agencies such as Moody's or the Fitch rating have already downgraded the U.S. government debt, citing the government shutdowns as signs of governing challenges and inability to reach agreement in a timely manner. Shutdowns are bad for the U.S. image, and it's a 
bad thing for all companies that operate under the brand image and umbrella of the U.S. economy. Talking about the brand image and the rating agencies downgrading U.S. debt reminded me of another episode I published on Fitch Ratings' last downgrade of the U.S. debt. That's a good episode that goes with today's discussion. Link to that episode is in the show notes. I'll see you next time.